0: This week's episode is presented by Elite. Pool tile cleaning. If you are a a fan of the podcast, you would remember a couple of episodes ago I had Darren on to discuss the uh, facilitation of the wildfire relief that we did for the campfire in Butte County. Uh, Darren was uh, essential in getting the trucks facilitated and the volunteers going, and and uh, I had the pleasure to ride up with him and uh, deliver the goods up to uh, Chico for those in need. But now he's actually joining forces with the Radvertising Army, and Darren is the owner of Elite Pool. Tile Cleaning, and if you are not aware of what he does, most people don't call Elite Pool Tile Cleaning because they don't even know that the service is available. Despite their 13 years of experience in the greater Sacramento area, once you're booked, Elite cleans the tile using environmentally safe glass beads at a low air pressure. The calcium buildup is destroyed, leaving the tile surface undamaged and beautiful again. And when Elite Pool Tile Cleaning is done, you're good to swim in your beautifully clean pool right away. At the average cost of $5 per foot, it's a lot less expensive than replacing your tile. Something too many pool owners have felt forced to do. So head over to ElitePoolTileCleaning.com and while there, check out the amazing before and after picks. Then get your appointment for a free estimate scheduled online or by calling 916-714-POOL. That's 916-714-POOL. Now is the time to get your pool swim weather ready. Just a few hours this winter will make it beautiful for years to come. ElitePoolTileCleaning.com. That's ElitePoolTileCleaning.com. And also brought to you by Tech2U. Tech2U strives to deliver superior technical services from professional and friendly staff while maintaining their principles of credibility, accountability, and customer service as they grow. With locations all over Northern California, Southern California, and Las Vegas, Tech2U provides in-shop repair, mobile services for residential and business, and remote service provided online. Tech2U repairs everything ranging from printers, scanners, screen repair, motherboards, keyboards, touchpads. They'll even recycle electronics. Visit www.tech2u.com. To you.com. That's tech. The number two. You.com. Or call 888 340 8324. That's 888 340 8324 for Tech to You. The Rad. All right, we're back at it. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Rad Podcast. I am producer Brandon from the Rob Anybody and Don show, and this week's episode has a very special guest. Um, I'm interviewing a man named Gerardo Urias, and he is a very, uh, very interesting individual who was actually brought to my attention from some fellow uh, prod heads um, that are a part of the Rad Podcast group at Facebook, and they're actually um, some close friends of mine that live in the uh, South Lake Tahoe area, and uh, Gerardo is actually a mutual friend of... Of uh, the friends on on podcast page, and uh, they they suggested that I reach out to Gerardo and and find out a little bit more about his story. And I don't know if this was uh, tipped off because we had just recently been discussing um, the reintroduction of psychedelics into more mainstream uh, society, like for instance, they're doing microdosing of LSD in uh, in Silicon Valley to help uh, promote. Creativity and uh, like just to to help with their their working uh, working brain and expanding their mind. Um, and then there's a lot of other studies that are going around right now about people using magic mushrooms and and MDMA to help with depression and PTSD. And Gerardo actually has a very interesting story. Who uh, he, he, around his 40th birthday, he uh, had everything going well for him. Seemingly, his life was going great, and then it just took a 180 and he was starting to spiral deep into a depression um, and it wasn't until he found some techniques that involved breathing and some uh, uh, practicing the stoic uh, the stoic type of uh, philosophy and as well as using mushrooms magic mushrooms to help aid him in getting into the more positive trajectory of making a more happy more positive life with him. We'll cover all of that and a lot more in this interview, so without further ado, let me introduce you to Gerardo Urias, who is actually the author of the upcoming book called Don't Kill Yourself, and you can find out more information about the book um, by searching Don't Kill Yourself on Facebook, as well as uh, The Psychedelic Renaissance. Um, if you look for that group, there will actually be a lot of uh, talking points and literature that you can get caught up on that's very informational about the use of psychedelics and depression. So uh, keep an eye out for the book, Don't Kill Yourself. It should be out uh, later on uh, this year, early next year, as Gerardo will explain in the interview. Hello. Hello, Gerardo. Yes. How are you doing today, my friend?
1: Doing excellent. Doing excellent. How
0: are you? I'm very well. Thank you. You're
1: welcome. So how can yeah, you... Yeah, I, uh, I had one of the best mornings of my life. But I've said that every day this whole week. <laughs> really? I was up skiing, and oh my God, the snow just keeps getting better
0: and better. I know. I've been seeing some uh, photos on social media. In fact, the the folks that introduced me to you, Carissa and her husband, Cheddar, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I follow them avidly on, on social media because they post the best pictures from living up there in Tahoe, and I just can't imagine how nice that snow must feel right now.
1: Hey. I mean it's, it's world class. Uh, it's absolutely unbelievable. And <clears throat> up here on Heavenly I was doing laps on Firebreak, which is one of the best ones I've ever done in my life. Um uh, and I've seen a lot. I have skied a lot in my life. I lived in the house for quite a few years and uh it is just unreal. <laughs> it's so, so unreal.
0: You know, so is the powder so bad, uh, is the powder just right in your your back door basically? You just open the door and just go at it, or do you have to actually go yeah. to the resorts? Oh
1: no, it's I mean Heavenly is about a mile from me, the base of Heavenly. Um So, you know, very close.
0: Uh, The last storm last week, I actually skied all the way home. Uh, So the roads are just covered in snow. That's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's good good to hear you in good spirits. Um, Now, like I mentioned, I was actually introduced to you by uh, Carissa and her husband, Cheddar. They're, They're big fans of the show, and they've actually turned out to be really great friends of my wife and I. And, um, they brought you to my attention because I was kind of fishing for some ideas from the, from the, uh, the group that listens to this podcast. And, um, she brought up the, the idea the fact that you have gone through quite a bit in your life and you've got a pretty interesting story to tell. In fact, I've got your story here in front of me. Um, but I kind of want you, you to, uh, share it with the audience and, and let people know kind of what, what you've been through, how you've gotten to this point, um, in your recovery, since you 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 were basically, what did you say in your your, your message here? You said you were um, you're almost towards the end of it. Like you're you're going to call it quits, right?
1: Yes, I mean yes and no. It's a very it's a very complicated topic. Um, I would say that suicidal ideations would be a more proper um, term for what was going on. Uh, there was no actual planning.
0: But it's hard
1: to describe when you're in that state. Yeah, so uh, so no desire to move type of a feeling.
0: Gotcha. So let's let's go back to uh, January of 2017. Uh, it was a very special month for you because you turned 40 years old, right? Yeah. Okay. And, and uh, so what what kind of came to what came what what happened in 2017 that that just changed your life?
1: 2017, a lot happened. Uh, <laughs> Um, let me see, where to start? Where to start? I guess a good place to start is the journey that, uh, my wife and I took when we got married, which was, uh, now about five, six years ago. We, uh, decided to work hard for, for a few years and save all our money and, uh, hit the road. We were kind of sick of the working life and, um, just spending a lot of time at work, not, not getting to spend much time with each other. And uh, that's what we did. So we did the planning back in, I believe, 2013, 14, right after we got married and saved a bunch of money and then uh, sold all of our stuff, uh, quit our jobs, and then headed to Panama to sort of pursue this life uh, on the road. We wanted to start a business, travel based business, because I was really what brought us together with travel. Uh, and so we both had a, a long time passion for that. Um, I'd been traveling around the world for really for the last 20 years. Uh, And she had traveled in her younger younger years as well. And so that started the journey that took the next two, three years to establish us in Mexico. We finally uh, settled down there, started a vacation rental business, and sort of hit our goal. Um, Everything was going really great for about a year. Um, And financially, we were very well off, and everything just aligned. Um, Pretty much at the top, at the top of uh, our game, really. Uh, we were spending, uh, doing everything we wanted, basically living down there in Mexico, super cheap so for the money we were making. I mean, we were we were very well off uh, and working incredible. Well.
0: And especially needing to take that, you guys basically left your old life behind on this idea that you can live. Without having to worry about income, it was just kind of generating on its own. So you guys can just could travel all over the world and not have to worry about it, right?
1: Right. Yes. Basically, it became um, a very automated business requiring literally only a few hours of work per week.
2: Uh, That's the dream, a, right there.
1: Uh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely the dream. We we had <laughs> we had achieved the four hour work week. Actually, what sparked that whole idea was Jim Paris's book, The Four Hour Work Week. Uh, right after we got married, I picked it up in the Barnes and Nobles through a few pages, instantly fell in love, bought the book, read it in a few days, and then made a plan. So, and so after a few years, you know, we 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 actually achieved that. We we had that, and it was it was incredible.
0: That's um, fantastic.
1: And, and yeah, it, it was it was really surreal, uh, quite surreal. I mean, three four years of the wildest, craziest experiences you can imagine across Central American and Mexico. Um,
0: and and it was really very really dream. And so, but there there's something that happened after things that were going so well that that basically. Changed everything, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Right, right. So that, that brings us to uh, 2017 in January when I was turning 40. My best friend from high school surprised me with a round trip ticket to Europe, uh, where we actually moved to when we were 20 years old. We moved to a town called Garmisch. Uh, beautiful, most beautiful town in the world. How long did you live in Europe at that time?
2: Uh, we went uh, to go for the winter to go snowboarding was the
1: plan. It was a uh, pretty wild plan, didn't have a whole lot of money, we were right out of high school, and uh, that was all we could see for then. I ended up just instantly loving it, and it completely changed my life. I stayed three years, he went back to the Yelp after one year. And so, the, those three years were just the most magical time of my life. And yeah. Like Before I was living in the house right there, and just, that's when I learned to snowboard ski, and I really became uh, pretty much a hardcore ski even for the next decade after that. That's so awesome. It really changed my life. Um, and so that's why it was so appropriate for my 40th birthday. I couldn't imagine a better one. Going back to the same place that just dramatically changed my life with the same person I moved there with 20 years ago. Wow. And then same circuit. We went to Amsterdam, spent my birthday there, and then took a few weeks uh, on a ski trip to, Dallas, back to the Alps with Same resorts we, we skied back then, some of the biggest in the world. Just incredible. Uh, and I was on such a high, such a high in life. I mean, you know, back home business was good. Everything was set. Here I was in Amsterdam on my birthday, and then skiing the, the amazing powder for a few weeks, and I was just the best that I had ever been, really. <laughs> and, uh, and so, yes, yeah, so that's that's when things turned around.
0: And so, you' how did how did the how did the incident with your wife come about? Was were you guys? because you guys seemed like you were pretty happy for many years putting up these businesses and, and you know, traveling all over the place. Um, what, at what point in time do you think you, you noticed that things were going South with your wife?
1: Well, that, that is a lot of introspection that I was in denial of during our marriage. I mean, I wasn't in denial. We had some serious issues. Now I'm on, on, Looking back at everything, it's pretty obvious what the issues were, but that's because I have been reflecting on it using these psychedelics and, and really focusing on myself and what my part was. <clears throat> and to me, now it's very clear it was an, an ego battle for years. Okay. I started having problems after the first year of marriage, really. Wow. Uh, we, we both had anger issues. She had, uh, yeah, she had some pretty bad anger issues. Um, a rough childhood, and mine wasn't all that easy either. And so, so these are clashing, and it became uh, pretty much a battle of the egos. Sure, they did not see it that way at the time.
0: Sure, when when you when you you know toxic toxicity becomes friends, especially when you guys both seem to have you know the similar attributes. I know I can relate. And being in a bad relationship with somebody that was completely bad for me, but it was just familiar and it was easy. Um, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not injecting my analysis on my relationships on yours, but, you know, I I could totally relate to uh, sticking around with somebody that might not be good for you. But, you know, you you just you you don't look at things through the right prism and you don't have that introspective at the time. Um, And it, it, it could just, you know, it doesn't turn out so good in the end. Right.
1: Right, right, yeah. Well, you know, we see what we want to see. And so a big portion of our marriage that you know, we're just turning it away and just ignoring it. Because it was it really was uh, intense highs and intense lows. So we were having the most incredible times ever or the worst types
0: in the world. So was um, it so was it after you got back from your trip um to Amsterdam for your fortieth birthday that that's, that you started facing some difficulties with your wife?
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, actually immediately when, when I got back, um, I knew <laughs> from the news to pick me up, I knew something,
0: something was wrong. So, so it was all, Oh, go ahead. No, it's okay. Uh, so, I, I mean, we don't have to share too many of the details about what you went through, um, especially right. because your wife's not here and we don't need to, you know, this isn't about necessarily, you know, her or, or bad-mouthing her or what she did.
1: No, not um, at all. No.
0: Yeah, so without giving too much detail, What ultimately happened in the end with you and your wife?
1: Um, What happened was when I returned, things had been, like I said, on the rocks for a long time, and it was really building up to this point. Um, And somewhere in that time, prior to me going on this vacation, she had moved on mentally. And when I got back, it took about, we got in a fight right away and, and things really kind of went bad right away. It about two weeks before it came to the point where I couldn't take it anymore because she was going out partying late at night a lot and um, I just had a bad feeling, had a feeling something was really wrong. Yeah. So it came to the, the breaking point where it, uh, I wasn't able to take it anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I basically said that, that has to stop or else. You know, we can't continue this. So that day, uh, she backed up and left. And that was it.
0: That's heartbreaking.
1: Yeah. So it was, yeah. And, uh,
0: and you guys was, are, you guys aren't just married. You're business partners, right?
1: Right, right, Oh yeah, Everything. I mean, we, you know, we liquidated our life back home. Uh, that was done. There was nothing. I thought was back home, but we didn't have, we made everything automated on, online so we could be mobile. There was, we didn't have a place back home, you know. It was uh, yeah, it was, it was our life for the past three, four years.
0: And then after, uh, after she packed up and left, um, what was, le- what were you, what was your plan? You're just going to leave the business behind and, and, uh, try to m- move back in with family. What was your plan after that? Yeah, that, that's the thing was, um, is right
1: then, you know, everything just dissolved. Everything. I had no idea. I had no idea what to do. I was just completely, utterly lost, um. You know, I I saw it coming, but it hit me a lot harder than I would have ever imagined. It was real. So I the um, at that point I just decided I can't really handle this, so I'm gonna go go back home for a bit, be with my family, um, spend a few weeks and you know, see what happens.
0: Um, to things <clears throat> and that kind of leads us to your downward spiral. Um but for, before we get to your incident which kind of led you to the experience with your brother um what what tell me about what you uh, otho sclerosis am i saying that right oh yeah otho so how when did you find out you had otho and i are you are you currently going through the the devastating results of what that is
1: no no so sure. <laughs> He miraculously uh, turned around for that and and everything really, but it took a long time to go by year. So I actually did line up the surgeries that were necessary, and I got those done over this last year, and, and I got my hearing back 100%, which was... Very, very
0: good thing. And you, you mentioned it just a little bit there. Ophosclerosis is, is a disability, not a disability, but a condition that diminishes hearing slowly until almost deaf in most cases. And you were about 80% deaf.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I didn't realize how bad it was because you don't really notice the sounds that you're losing. A lot of the sound, most of it is actually background noise and just the sounds of uh, nature and just outside I didn't hear anymore. more. For instance, traffic or the sound of the ocean. I stopped hearing, but I didn't notice that I stopped hearing it because it was very gradual. It took probably a year or two to actually get to that point.
0: And you so, didn't. And you I didn't.
1: didn't really notice.
0: And you didn't know or even care to get tested until until something else dramatic that happened in your life uh, shortly after your wife left. Right? What happened then?
1: Right. Yeah. So when I went home, uh, when this when this happened. Uh, I landed in LA, I told my brother, I didn't even tell my family actually until a few weeks later. So I, you know, it was just too much to talk about. And so I, I just went home to stay with my brother Leo in his apartment. I, just, I wanted to lay low apartment, pretty much hide
2: the yeah. World,
1: yeah, and you know, figure things out. And I, I'm very close with him. So obviously I told him. And so yes, yeah, so I landed in LA, went to his apartment. It was, it was great to see him. Um, I was a mess, but he was able to lift my spirits a little bit. And then two days later, we get a call from my sister Rosa, and my dad just had a major stroke. And so that began that whole process.
0: And yeah, that, and 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 after, after you found that out. Um, what, what led to your kind of downward spiral? It was just everything that culminated at that point And, and you just decided yeah. to, it
1: was, I mean, the series of events, I had actually gotten tested for the hearing a few months prior to this, but only one, at that point, only one ear was really diminished. The other one was still pretty good. So it was compensating for my other ear. But it actually hadn't been that bad. Once this happened, and I don't know. If stress, it, well, actually, they, they do say that stresses could uh, make the deterioration you know, a lot quicker.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It could actually cause that as well. But that's, that's when my, my hearing really diminished uh, you know, pretty pretty fast, and that's when I got the second follow-up, and that's when I found out I was about 80% deaf. Wow. Yeah. So, well, so we all came together. You know, it was first the, the, the divorce, all of a sudden, okay, wow, my life is over my business my home everything's done and you know a few days after that my dad dies i mean it took two weeks but during those weeks i had just lost my wife
0: when it it rains it
1: pours right yeah yeah. oh man it was yeah it was intense it was brutal i I did not i did not know i was going to make it parent
0: and when you decided to try to to work on yourself you ended up going to some therapy i imagine
1: I did, yeah, mm-hmm. right. They recommended my family it was way really sick about me, obviously. They were, they were recommending therapy, and uh, a few people were recommending antidepressants, which I was trying to fight. So I would actually give in and go through a few therapists, four and all, uh, but I gave up after, for one reason or another, I, I gave up on each one until after the fourth one. I just decided it wasn't helping. There was nothing anybody could say or do. That would give me my life back ch- and that was
0: my focus. And and your change, you recognized needed to come from within. It wasn't going to happen with talk therapy, right?
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't thinking that way at the time. I was kind of in a, a zombie state. Yeah. we Words were just not going anywhere. It, it wasn't getting into my head at all.
0: And but the words were bouncing right off of me. And then you ultimately ended up drinking a little bit. I I read. um which is something I can relate to when things are just going wrong. It's just easy to turn to the bottle, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What happened? Uh, what happened after the, after the drinking started that, that led to you and your brother coming up to ultimately one of the the brightest moments of your, of your life up to that point?
1: Right. Right. Uh, So this all took 10 months. I was in the dark cold depression for 10 months uh, from from that day, from uh, March 2nd. And so these events happened. I went home, went through the process of my dad dying, watching his body shut down and just absolutely agony, dealing with my hearing, trying to get insurance for that and all that actually treated. And then the next few months, we were just horrible. You know, again, every day I'd get up, very late to not deal with the day trying to, to bed early. Um, I was drinking a lot and just couldn't bear days.
0: And the antidepressants weren't helping at all, right? No. Making it, it, make and it that, all worse. And I got on
1: antidepressants and they really didn't help at all. I thought for a few days I felt a little bit numb, but then that went away and I, I was just back to normal. And on top of that, I started having really, really bad digestion issues. I was having constant diarrhea. Oh,
0: um, common, so, common with those antidepressants.
1: Yes, they are. Mm-hmm. Very common. And then as I found out also, insomnia is very common. So as soon as that started, well, as soon as all this fell apart, I couldn't sleep, you know, but it, it just got worse and worse. So I, was, I really didn't, I didn't have a good night's sleep in probably about 10 months. So if you know about sleep deprivation, you know what happens with that. <laughs> you slowly just start losing your mind. Um a few months went by, and uh, I was having a lot of anxiety buildup, panic attacks. At one point, close to it was in November, I had, a, we had a, panic, a panic attack at my sister's house that uh, put me in the ER. <sighs> and so I Yeah, it was just this feeling of, I, my heart was racing, and just a strange feeling, like, like I'm dying. Classic really.
0: panic attack, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, I had no idea what it was. I, I was suffering also from high blood pressure, which I have been suffering with for a long time about 16 years. But this is especially Ever since this happened, you know, a normal reading was like 170 over 110. So I was really, you know, I was thinking, oh my God, was that, am I having a stroke? I thought I something really serious is happening. So we went to the ER, uh, they checked me out, that it was a panic attack, sent me home. I think I had another mild one a few days after that. And then that following week, I had been drinking a lot. And one of those nights, I was having a bad episode. And I went to a bar and started drinking heavily. And they cut me off. And I got angry. And I ended up in jail. Oh, my gosh. That was right after the, the emergency room visit. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> and things just, things just seem to get and keep getting worse and worse. And this is like a, a culmination of years and years of stuff that have finally like taken a, taken a toll on you. And it's almost like you're almost at rock bottom, right?
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, I was thinking about it in hindsight. I mean, the next stop would be the morgue. I don't, you know, I, I the hospital, emergency room, jail, it, it was a consistent downward spiral.
0: Well, the fact that we're having this conversation and that we started the whole conversation talking about how you've had one of the greatest days of your life, and that's almost a daily experience for you now, what changed? What happened after you got out of jail that made you realize that there's, there's, there's hope? Right.
1: Yeah, it seemed crazy, right? I, I mean, in this mind frame that I was in, um, just, I, was, I had given up on that. I had long given up on that notion. I was just trying to skate through the rest of life however I could uh, just to hold it together. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I got a jail the next day and my sister picked me up. I put it off like it was no big deal. It was just an argument and that's it. Um, I even told my brother that. I didn't tell him the severity of why this was really happening. Although well, they all knew, they, my family knew exactly what was going on. They were watching me.
0: Just myself so it's pretty but, hard to it's pretty hard to hide it at a, after a certain point yeah the family pretty much picks right up on that but they you know it's difficult for family members who are watching people go through depression because no matter what you say or do it's not going to help like it, it's almost like people in our i'm going to say in our positions because I i've suffered from depression for quite a long time in my life and i've gotten my mechanisms to help me through it but you know, I think depression is such a uh, taboo topic for a lot of people to talk about. And up until the last couple of years, I feel it's been so taboo that you just shove it down. You don't talk about it. You ignore it. And especially when it comes to people in your life, your family, your loved ones who want to try to help you, it, it's so difficult because those of us who are depressed are so stubborn most of the time that we're not even willing to accept the help. I don't know. Could you relate with that?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they were trying everything they could. They, you know, my my sister was calling me every day, sending me messages. They were all trying to, trying to talk to me, um, catering to whatever I needed. And, and, I mean, they were doing the best that they possibly could. But, again, the words just were not sinking in. Yeah. Um, even, even my own family, there there's nothing they could say. And that, that's the emphasis on, I guess, the point I want to make about that is my I was stuck in... The mentality that there's nothing anybody could say to give me my life back. Mm-hmm. So what I was, what I want, what I had, you know, what I lost, so my focus
2: was intently on that. And when that's your focus, of course, there's nothing anybody
1: can say that they that can bring that back, it's gone. Yeah. You know, that's in the past.
0: You're creating your own reality in your mind. Right,
1: exactly. Mm-hmm. And it becomes uh, an incessant loop of rumination, of uh, negative thought uh, patterns that just deepen and deepen. And now they know there's a little bit of a biological basis for that. Really? And uh, there's really no getting out of that at a certain point. It just continues uh, very rapidly. Um, and often, side ideations begin when that begins. It just
0: gets worse. I um, can definitely, so I- definitely relate yeah. with that. And. And want, what what got your mindset changed? Like what, what turned yeah, it around so, for
1: you? So after the jail incident, uh, my brother Leo, the one who I went to visit um, right after the, uh, the split up, he suggested that if I wanted to try mushrooms, magic mushrooms,
0: um, we'll try it. Have you ever tried them before when he suggested that?
1: I had tried them. I, I had actually had a lot of experience uh, back in my, actually, when I was living in Germany. So I had tried them a long time ago. Okay. Um, but it, you know I had been a while and that was recreational purposes back then, and yeah. I was aware of that. i I'd, I'd actually learned about my I've researched it for quite a while. For the last few years, actually, I've been researching on the treatment, uh, the use of suicide solvents treatment of depression, because my wife uh, had dealt with depression and anxiety in her whole life, so. I was looking into natural ways that I could help her
0: depression. Wow! So that Uh, that that experience was kind of training you to to think about it later on, right?
1: Well, yes and no, because that's the funny thing is, even knowing this, which I had researched extensively, I didn't apply it to myself. Though I didn't even think about that for myself, and even with my brother, when my brother suggested that, I really didn't think about that. I always thought about that for her. But I didn't see how I could benefit from that, you know, particular therapeutic use. It was also just a level of hopelessness that I had. That I knew it, I knew it, I'd heard of it, but I was convinced that there was no hope. So he suggested it, and I just thought, sure, why not? You know, might as well give it a try. But there was really zero hope.
0: So I was very skeptical. And so what, what, how did you guys go about the, the trip um, I know that in my experience, if, even if you're doing it recreationally, at least the way that I've always done it is I, I plan it out. I make basically make it an appointment and I don't, and I don't want, you know, any distractions from the outside world. It's different than just going into a party and just dropping some mushrooms and listening to a Pink Floyd record. It's more of a, of a experience, almost like a religious experience. Um, uh, is that the way that you guys went into it?
1: No, not at all, <laughs> not at all. It was uh, it was very impromptu and we didn't really have a plan. He came down from LA to visit me in Oceanside where I was staying at my sister's house and we didn't really have a plan. So he just came down and, and uh, we were just gonna play by ear and see how the other day went. Uh, so he came by in the morning and uh, it was just us in the apartment and it was a beautiful day. Sun was out, <clears throat> and so we we split up a few and munched uh, them down with some water, and then decided to just go and take a walk to the pier, which is about uh, almost a mile down the road from my sister's place, and wait till they kicked in. So we started walking down the pier, and this is my my process every day: is I would wake up and walk down to the pier, pretty much to escape the apartment because I didn't want my sister and my mom to see me a total wreck. Sure. And so I would just escape, you know, I was always kind of trying to just escape <laughs> everywhere. Uh, everywhere I wanted. I would just walk for hours because I had this feeling of escaping. I just needed to get out to get out of my head. But I, the only way I could do was walk, so I could walk a lot. Mm. And so the usual process was go down the pier, walk around the pier, and pretty much every day for those 10 months. At some point I lost it. I would cry or I would just... Just lose it mentally somehow. And and that's why I went out there so I can lose it out there, not in the apartment. And so, uh, I I mean, this was every day, even the day before this happened. So, this day, my brother came, we we ate those, walked up here. I started feeling them pretty quickly, within 20 minutes, half an hour. And when I started feeling them, it was like a sense of energy and a sense of calmness and euphoria. I obviously, were tried mushrooms. Yeah, that I
2: felt I had not. I the notion of euphoria was completely gone. Uh,
1: no idea what I would feel like, and so there you was know, just lifting, this lifted mood and excitement in me all of a sudden. And excitement I hadn't felt excitement in ten months.
0: Yeah, you would mentioned that you had you had even looked at the ocean differently. What what was what was the ocean like before and after the mushrooms? Mm-hmm.
1: Looking back, actually that day, I realized when I looked out of the ocean, probably about an hour after I ate the mushrooms, I looked out and it was the most beautiful, beautiful blue color that I've seen in a long time. And when I was looking at the the water, the ocean, and the dolphins, and the sheep, just flying overhead in their formation, which I I found just so beautiful, I realized that I didn't even notice things for the last 10 months. And then looking back to my memories of what I had been doing the last 10 months was basically, you know, like standing on my fish's couch and looking at the ocean, but it was, it was a dark gray color in my mind that whole time. Every time I walked to the ocean, it was a scary place. Mm-hmm. It was uh, something scary about it, which was odd because I've always loved the ocean. I'd, grew up bodyboarding surfing in oceanside right there at that very beach actually and I never once went in the water because it just wasn't attractive to me. It was it was a scary place. And now this was just the day before it was that great dark, great, scary place. And now I was looking out at a bright blue that I literally had not seen in ten months. And that just blew my mind. I, I just couldn't believe that color had vanished.
0: And for after months, if not years, you felt happiness for the first time in a long time, I imagine.
1: Basically, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Joy. The the best way to describe it is joy. I had been devoid of joy for for, for, ever since that happened. Um, I mean, into the depths of, of absolute mental hell, but. Besides that, just the idea of joy, or the hope of having, ever having joy again, was completely gone.
0: So you spent... I
1: was in, in my bones and feeling it very strongly after that hour, it came on very, very strong.
0: And it didn't la- It lasted a while, right? You guys, okay, you guys yeah. ended up spending the whole day on the beach?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, we did. We actually, uh, after that, we spent about an hour on the pier and just blown away at, at how goody we were. I smiled smiling and laughing for the first time. <laughs>
0: Yeah, really. <laughs> great. That's so great. And what? Yeah. So tell yeah. tell tell the audience about what happened that night because you weren't far uh, from a very significant event that just coincidentally happened the night you were tripping on magic mushrooms. What did you see? After, that?
1: Yeah. So after a beautiful day of walking down the beach, we decided to walk to Carl's guide for most at that point, which is about a five mile walk. The tide was very low, so the whole thing was uh, easily walkable. So that was several, several hours during sunset of, of just amazing conversations wonderful times. There was, all of the stuff that I had been ruminating on and thinking about for 10 months was completely gone. Completely gone. Out of my mind. All I could feel, it was, it was impossible actually to think about it because I could not get my mind off of the ocean and how beautiful everything was. And so after the sunset, we were just in such a great mood. It was like, we we're of with celebrations. And so we decided to celebrate. So we, Walked up to uh, one of the pubs that I used to frequent when I was living in pubs at the time. Ordered a beer. Went outside to sit down. Just And we are just settling down after, I mean, probably five, six hours of just, you know, it seemed like intense action at the time because there's so many thoughts coming through my head. And so we finally sit down to relax. And then people started, started screaming and, and pointing up at the sky. And we're like, "What is going on?" So we walk outside and <laughs> look up, and there's a rocket, Elon Musk's uh, Falcon 9, out of Santa Barbara, right. across the sky, and then it it, uh, it released the casings and it split up into three parts, and all three parts were just illuminating the entire sky, and it was just absolutely surreal, uh, just mind blowing.
0: It's surreal that it happened on such a pivotal day for you that just the day before you, you know, you were scared of the ocean, you were terrified of, of, you know, the future, not knowing what was going to happen. And just to have that beacon in the sky almost symbolize this, Mm -hmm. this pivotal moment in your life. And by, by all accounts, ever since you've been, you've been on the up and up.
1: Right, right. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, absolutely. so magic it's, mushrooms
1: happen a lot, by the way. But, I'm <laughs> now, sorry. What's that? I said those, those coincidences I have found happen a lot now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Are you are you <laughs> at all in into synchronicities and anything like that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the journey I've been on is such a. There's so many ways of describing it, but yeah, synchronicity absolutely is one of the elements that I am just finding everywhere I look in my life right now. Would you I really, but
0: I'm looking for that. Yeah, and, and do you do you would you say that having that mindset, knowing that the universe has a plan for you and basically surrendering to whatever that plan may be while also supporting it with positive thinking, positive thought processes, um, this trip that based this trip on mushrooms, which basically stripped you of your ego and allowed you to have a genuine human experience. Um, would, would you attribute all of that to, to making you better basically and throwing out all of the traditional um, things like, th- like antidepressants and therapy? Would you, would you attribute mm-hmm. all of those things to that?
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And all of those things are exactly what into your lap once you do get into that. For myself, at least, when I transcended that ego and really understood what accepting the moment actually is and living in the present moment, and stopping the resistance to life, which I have now found through a lot of introspection, is the source of all unhappiness uh, and sorrow is is resistance. You know, what what is? Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, that that right there is the basis for all this and, when you start accepting that and living the moment and you stop resisting, then you start noticing a lot of things. You start noticing a lot of opportunities, a lot of good things happening around you, a lot of beauty around you. You start noticing the miracle of life that's unfolding
0: your feet every single moment, every single day. It's a beautiful thing. And it's not just mushrooms that that's helping you, right? I, I mean, I do have a question about the mushrooms, though, because when you go to acquire mushrooms, you just can't go into a, a grocery store and ask for, uh, you know, an eighth of magical mushrooms. Do, 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 you, do you still have to go through the, the traditional channels of, of knowing a guy who knows a guy to acquire it?
1: At this point uh, here, yes. yes, It's, uh, it's limited to that. Uh, there, there's a huge movement for the therapeutic use of others. A lot of research has been done over the last Decade, especially reviving all this research and so there are there is some therapy underground that people can access i have no idea how that works but i know it's i know it's there um the push now and the reason that i am speaking about this and i've decided to write a book about it is to raise awareness so that we can change the laws so that we can actually incorporate that into society
2: well so
0: the, change the views that. it sounds like the media and even the uh, the medical community are all trying to make the same point you are. I mean, I just do a quick Google search for um, in the news section for LSD and mushrooms treatment, and there are countless headlines from just the last couple of weeks about uh, psych- psychiatrists and physicians who are all, and even scientists, are rethinking what psych- psychedelics can do to change the attitude towards, you know, the formally. Known treatments for all these things, like depression and PTSD, um, it's it's a it's a hot button issue right now. It seems
1: very very hot. Absolutely, yeah. It is it is really spreading moving very fast. Actually, very close to the first the initiation of legalization. So Oregon, Colorado, and Iowa, I believe, are are leading the pack on that. But I believe the next year it is on the ballot in Colorado.
0: That's fantastic. So- Mm -hmm. So hopefully they could set up some some clinics out there so that people can experience this and maybe get some more research on it to back it up for um, further further use all around the country. Because to be honest, I I have used mushrooms before and I've used different types of psychedelics. And I'll tell you, I, I there have been some very amazing moments that have been so eye opening that I think it under the right controlled environment that other people can experience this too. And that you, you could see that you don't need things like uh, antidepressants. Um, I think that therapy is a great tool. I think that it helps a lot of people. I think that it could be life's life saving, but I think that for those who are looking for a more alternative way to maybe go about getting back to their mental health in a more natural way that you could do things like mushrooms in a controlled environment, but there's also other techniques that you mentioned that you use that can kind of emulate that experience. Um, Tell me about the Wim Hof method. What is that? Mm
1: -hmm. So the Wim Hof method, I actually learned about the same week that my brother came down with the mushrooms, and it was pretty miraculous. The same week, a uh, a friend I consider now, but it's very interesting because I've I've actually never met this person, but I was desperately searching for some meetup groups or uh, counselors or, or somebody to talk to at a certain point, like two months before this. And, and a, um, a stranger on Facebook had posted something that said, if, you, if somebody needs to talk, I'm available. So I reached out to him and he turned out to be a very wise person and was the only person that could actually lift me, my spirits up. So I talked to him for, about a month, month and a half, and every time I talked to him, he would lift my spirits up, and he always would say to just focus on the breath, to slow everything down just focus on the breath. The breathing, yeah. He said that, the breath, yeah, the breathing, because that would bring me to the present moment. All the stuff that I now learned was kind of interesting, because he actually practiced it with all of that. So, after about a month and a half of that, I, was still, I would talk to him and then I would just fall in the dark hole again, you know, over and over. And this time, this week, a few days, I, I believe I think it was a, a few days a week before my brother came down, he uh, he told me, yeah, I reached out to him and I said, you know what, I can't, the, the concepts I understand, but I just can't wave, I can't lift the clouds, I can't, I just can't do it. And so he suggested the Wim Hof Method and he told me, well, I feel like you need a more physical uh, sensation of presence. So... Check out this man, William Hoff, study him. He, too, has been where you are. So I did that, and I looked up a YouTube video, just a simple breathing technique, tried it, and immediately I felt pretty good. You know, not not like as powerful as a mushroom experience, but I felt good, a good pause on my head. And I knew I stumbled across something, yeah
0: just describing it with just describing it it kind of gives me that it, it takes you to that place where i kind of just feel the tingles the electricity kind of fire through my veins it, it's mm-hmm. it's an incredible not necessarily uh as as intense of euphoria that you get from mushrooms but it just it it puts you in that zone right like it kind of taps oh, into that potential of your body
1: absolutely yeah absolutely i think then um, I have not stopped practicing it. I've done it every day. So it, it, at the time during this was, I had a, about a week or two before the mushroom experience. So I would get up in the morning and do this, and it, it would actually lift my mood for about a half hour. Then I'd go back to back to the darkness, but it, it at least did that. Yeah. And so I just started practicing it and looking more into it and the physiology of it, and it's unbelievably mind blowing and just as powerful. I believe, as the mushrooms themselves. And it's actually a pretty big movement as well. There's thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people all over the world who are devotees. If you just go on the Wim Hof Facebook page, you'll see hundreds and hundreds of comments of how people are uh, alleviating symptoms ranging from arthritis to insomnia, I mean, sleep itself. I think that that is the first thing that allowed me to sleep a little bit better.
0: Yeah, I think that a lot of these issues that you mentioned like like insomnia and arthritis and things that could be that could be treated with traditional medications but not not be as ser- as chronic to to have to take all of these medications for the rest of your life that methods like this where you get in tune with your body and you're able to will the 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 wellness back into you. Just yeah. by simple breathing techniques and, and getting back in tune with your body mentally, then you will notice the change physically. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to actually start this. Now, since I, I read more into it and after you told your story here, I'm, I'm definitely going to be uh, looking into the Win Hof Method and, 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 and utilizing it in my daily practices. I think that it's All an right. outstanding, outstanding technique.
1: Yeah, it, it really is. Um, and, and if you look at it, there's a lot of science behind this too and it's standing in science, but
2: it is
0: indefeatable science. Um if you if you don't mind, I'm gonna quote what you what you described it as. Um in yeah, this so- pro in this process we make our body more alkaline, minimizing the environment that diseases thrive in. We gain control of our autonomous nervous system, boost our immune system, and activate our endocannabinoid and opioid system as well as create dmt believed to reside in our pineal gland now right that right there that these are all the things that we get from pharmaceuticals or from even smoking pot but all you need to do is do a breathing technique to give you that effect like if you're taking dmt and and it's it's incredible Uh, yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. yes uh, so,
1: I, like I saying, I practice it. I continue to practice this every day, and the practice gets deeper, and the effects actually get deeper. And I actually do experience DMT almost every day. That's fantastic.
0: I've, ta- I've taken DMT one time, and the experience that I had on it was— it, it, just to give a little brief explanation as to what DMT is, it's what's known as the God particle, right? It, it's what's produced— I, in our our pleasure center, pleasure center of our brain, and it's believed to be something that your body releases at the moment of death. Did I get that right?
1: right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. It, it's that is still a theory, and it's a theory because
2: we,
0: we can't
1: realize, break it. <laughs> well, well, yeah, yeah. Again, it's all it's new science, but uh, specifically on the biochemical basis, uh, the serotonin receptor
2: five two H A. H2A, I think that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it actually has more of an
1: affinity for uh, what was it? Well, I have to pull my notes, but it has more of an affinity for DMT basically than serotonin itself. And so that's why they're theorizing that there is a very important endogenous psychedelic that we utilize at certain important times as in when you're dying. And I and not I not going to be a time, but it's sort of reserved for that.
0: And this kind of this this opening or this this release of this chemical is supposed to tap you into the to the physical world or the physical realm, maybe even the spiritual realm of things, right? Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. It's also known as a spirit molecule. Spirit molecule, yes. And when I took it, so I was I was in my backyard and I was with a couple of friends. And when I in this in this particular instance, we had it um, in, in, in a sm- a substance that we could smoke. Um, so when I took a drag of it, I sat back for a couple of seconds and all of a sudden everything changed everything that I was looking at. And I said, I was in my backyard. So I was looking at my tree that was, that was pretty big. Um, but I could watch all of the life cycles go in and out. Like it, the tree would die and then come back to life repeatedly over and over again. It was like an excessive, like, almost like a catching up or rewinding of what I was looking at in all the different time cycles. Um, Now, I don't know. I don't know if this is what everybody tends to experience. And I don't know if I took enough to really get the full effect of it, but I got a little taste and it was, it was one of the most mind blowing experiences that I've ever had to be able to kind of feel one with everything while experiencing the life and death of something uh, so beautiful happen in rapid succession. It was it was an incredible experience.
1: <clears throat> that sounds incredible. I actually have never tried uh that type of DMT and Vitamous DMT that you smoke. Uh, I have never tried that actually. So I don't have a reference point to that, but that sounds very familiar for what I experienced, just very quickly. So after the breath retentions and the, and the deep breathing cycles that I do in the morning, the Wim Hof Method, for about a good 30 seconds to 60 seconds, that's pretty much what I experience. Uh, I mean, my body, it's, all, it's pretty much like an ego dissolution state. Yeah. Very quick, a very quick one. Uh, but I'm just kind of, I dissolve, and I feel like I'm just going to outer space. state when one seeing these geometric figures, the classic Christmas tree sort of um, geometric figures that is described, uh, when people are in DMT, and uh, it's unreal, it's absolutely unreal. And then the following hour, few hours actually are—I feel very, very euphoric. Um, and, and also because I, I combine it with cold exposure. So
0: the other half of the Wim Hof method is cold exposure, as an ice bath. That's, or a, ice that's like a really, really cold shower, right? Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, and it's so freezing you
0: can get. How long do you take these these cold showers? Well.
1: It's very difficult to do, so it's taken me a year to build up to it. <laughs> 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 I mean, it's one of the most
2: difficult things you can do. But I have gotten to where I can, I can take
1: a 10-minute shower. Um, I don't always, and I find myself rushing out the door, door to go to work, so I kind of short, probably about three minutes, three, four, five minutes. Okay. But I, I would, yeah, I would probably stay longer. On my days off, I do take about five, 10-minute ice showers.
0: Man, I don't know. I mean, exactly. I, I, I would yeah. do it to enhance the experience, but I love Absolutely. a hot shower.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. But, so um, the reason I brought that up is the cold shower as well, it re- reduces endorphins, dopamine, serotonin, and all that. So after the breathing technique where you're experiencing, you when know, you're activating your opioid system, cannabinoids and DMT, you hop in the cold shower and then add some more endorphins on top of that. I mean, every morning, I feel so, so great, as if I just got high, which I did, but completely natural, and on top of that, sharp, alert, on it, in a flow, I mean, it's the most incredible feeling I've ever felt, really. It's actually a stronger feeling than any drug I've ever taken, including mushrooms. Wow. In In a different way, though. Uh, but the physical sensation is definitely stronger than anything I've ever experienced. So and it, all it takes
0: is five minutes and, and oxygen. That's insane. I mean, all, I, all of this is about uh, not just practice, but also discipline. Right? You gotta, you gotta maintain this on a daily basis for you yes, at least.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And I feel Rimhoff states that you know it, it builds on top of itself. You're actually changing your physiology. So. The more you do it, the stronger the feelings become, the more in tune with your body, the mind-body connection really just fuses really tightly. Uh, and, and
2: that's exactly what I've experienced in the last year. I mean, it's just, it continually gets stronger and stronger.
0: And so wh- you you mentioned that you uh, do some micro dosing with, with mushrooms. Now, do you... Is this under the supervision of a physician, or how do you? Uh, no, none of this has been under the direction of any physician. so how uh, how do you go about planning out the doses and how often do you use it in a microdosing setting?:
1: So after the the big breakup and, and all the started, uh, and I ate the mushrooms, immediately after that, I'd say two days after that big mushroom trip with my brother. I knew that I was healed. I, I just knew it, but I couldn't I was still a little apprehensive about it. I actually didn't accept that for a few weeks because I I just couldn't believe it. But I was confident enough that I decided to immediately start start weaning off of the antidepressant. So after that I decided that I would supplement that or I would I would replace that with microdosing. So about a week after that I started a microdosing regimen and I did Continued that for several months and I I just I didn't really measure it I would just visually measure it and eat maybe half a stem or half a cap and I based it off of what I felt there and then I sort of tweaked it a little bit going forward and so I did that for the following few months but at the same time I was doing the room Hof method and I was really getting into some other stuff uh, this Stoic philosophy that I really practice a lot now and the effects of those combined were so strong that I just realized I didn't need the microdosing anymore. Yeah. Um, the, the Wim Hof method was much stronger and much more powerful. So in response, it was sort of like I was kind of wasting, wasting the mushrooms because I had something else, oxygen, that would have a more dramatic dramatic effect, actually. So I to do that for a few months. Um, I actually haven't microdosed like that for, for a while. Um, what I have found is better is to actually take a bigger dose every few months or so. Okay. mm -hmm. And I feel that for me, at least, that that has a a lasting effect where it sort of realigns me with myself, my mind, and my body, and it has a very lasting effect, and it has more of an impact for me than the
0: microdose. That makes sense. It's almost like a a cleansing or, or a detoxifying um, it just kind of gives your body that shock that you need instead of living it, uh, perpetually day by day. Right. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. And actually what's happening, so again, there's a biological basis to all of this. <clears throat> During this research, what they discovered was there is a, a, uh, section of the brain called the default mode network, which is basically what our brain is doing when we're idling, when we're just kind of sitting there doing nothing. And that's when we tend to daydream and ruminate and worry why right not mm-hmm. so what they have seen through brain scans when they put people in, in uh, fMRIs is that that section of the brain increases in blood flow and electric activity when you are doing that when you're ruminating we going back in the past time travel thinking about the future looks like adults do I'm interested in meditation as well is it decreases blood flow to that area allowing, the rest of your brain to connect, which is why you trip uh, synesthesia, it's called, it's a mixing of the senses. You now your, your visual cortex is mixing signals with your amygdala, which is never communicating, because it is, the, the default mode network also acts sort of as, as a superconductor. So it keeps those messages from mixing. So now that the default mode network goes offline, in a way, the rest of your brain is working with little extra enough to provide uh, you know, change perspective sometimes, which is what happened with me. And so, it's kind of like a, re- a reboot. You go through life, and your default mode network is building up all these worries, trying to figure out how to go through life more efficiently. So over time, you start worrying a little bit more. You start becoming a little more anxious, a more stressed. So for me, what I found is, you know, after two months of life doing that, seeing my brain and, <laughs> and really starting to worry about things. I'll, I'll have a little bit of a, uh, more of a macro dose, not some microdose. And then it's kind of like a reset. Yeah. It sort of takes all those worries away. And then the following month or two is pretty worry-free. I mean, I've been pretty worry-free for quite a while, it seems now. Like. It's
0: pretty incredible. Well, I, I am so happy to hear it because knowing, uh, reading and hearing your story about what you went through after what was seemingly supposed to be, you know, the, the better part of your your days and with somebody that you believe was supposed to be, you know, a, a pretty strong partner in your life. I mean, and, and just everything you went through, man, I, I'm just so happy to hear that you have found the, the, the key to your happiness. And I think that what you went through will definitely resonate with a lot of people out there and sharing your story will help people look into these alternative ways to maybe changing their mindset so that things don't look like, Uh, like, like it's like, it's the end so that it doesn't look like the ocean's going to eat you up so that the the skies and and the ocean can be a little brighter for you. And I'm, I'm just so happy to hear that things have been uh, turned around for you. And so your, your plan is now to, to write a book. Are you, are you going to go over all of this stuff that you, that you've experienced? Yes, absolutely.
1: Mm So my book is basically my experience. Uh, and I want it to be sort of a blueprint for how I overcame depression through these three practices, one of which is psychedelics, the other with the Wim Hof Method, and the other we haven't discussed is uh, stoic philosophy, which I just found to be a very beautiful, applicable, um, philosophy for, for life today. And so I want it to be a blueprint for people who are struggling that can maybe follow it and I'll have, it'll be very detailed as far as the science of all of these things and uh, how I came about it and how I incorporated it into my life. And hopefully somebody can just replicate one, if not all of them, and really like And that's my goal.
0: So, Gerardo, what do you have? The working title? Do you do you have a plan on when you're going to release this book?
1: I hope to release it by the end of the year. I'm about halfway through with it, and it is called "Don't Kill Your Soul."
0: Don't kill yourself. Now, yes. Gerardo, can I can I mention your last name? Yeah. That's okay. Fine. So, Gerardo Urias. It's spelled U R I A S. And yes. the book that you're going to release is going to be called "Don't Kill Yourself." Yes. Cool. And there there are a couple of other resources that you uh, mentioned in our talks previously, um, like Facebook pages, other other places you could go. Mm-hmm. Um, To to learn some more information about all this stuff that you've shared with us today. Um, Do you mind sharing that again? Yes, absolutely.
1: So I realized that it would probably take a long time to write a book, and it's proving to be pretty difficult. (laughs) I do hope to have it out by the end of the year. But in the meantime, I want the information out there because, like I said, for me, all it took is my brother just suggesting it. It took one article to start studying about stoicism, it just took a comment from my friend about the Wim Hof Method to dra- dramatically change my life. So these are life-changing practices that people uh, need access to now. You know, the statistics, 3,000 people per day kill themselves worldwide right now. Today, tomorrow, every day, 3,000 people will themselves. So this is extremely important. So I wanted a platform where people can get the information. Um, so I started a Facebook page for the book itself, and that's called Don't Carry Yourself. It's a colorful page. I don't believe there's another by that name, so that's for the book specifically. There's another focus on the current science and research of psychedelics called the Psychedelic Renaissance. That as well is a colorful page. I believe there's another one that's more black and white. <clears throat> and that centers around um, in the articles and research that's currently coming out. And then I've started another page called Gladiators. That centers around the Wim Hof Method and Stoic philosophy.
0: Awesome. So that's
1: the uh, all, I, I all I these. Post, uh, I post daily uh, things under on, on gladiators' quotes, whatnot, articles about socialism, about the Wim Hof method, the science about the Wim Hof method.
0: That's fantastic.
1: If uh, you can just peruse those, you'll have loads of information.
0: Yeah, I I, I checked it out. It's very impressive. There's a, there's a lot of really comprehensive stuff out there. So it's not like you if you don't have any knowledge on this stuff, it's very it's it's not a bunch of uh, clinical stuff it's very um understandable for those that are a little intimidated by these ideas it's not that intimidating um so just to re just to reannounce the the face of pages we got don't kill yourself the psychedelic revolution or, i'm sorry the psychedelic renaissance right right and that's got the more colorful logo on there there's another one that's like black and white but you want the colorful logo right
1: Right, yeah, it's a picture of a head, sort of a psychedelic head with the universe in the background.
0: And then the other uh, Facebook page for the Wim Hof Method and Stoic, uh, the, the, the Stoicism is Gladiator. Oh, I'm not Gladiators. Got it. Excellent. Gladiators, and I believe there may be another one of those, with uh, with the same pictures. So the picture on
1: the Facebook page is a picture of Russell Crowe in the movie Gladiators. <laughs> um, I believe they have the same pictures so that one might be a little more confusing but if it's not about the Wim Hof method then it's the wrong page
0: well if you don't mind Gerardo I will actually share direct links to these pages on the uh, the episode direct uh, the episode description as well as the the, the webpage at radradio.com because um, cool. I want people to be able to get to this stuff pretty easy and the, and it, it's, it's just astounding how much research and how much uh, backing there is for for these ideas for alternative ways to get out of depression and, and other various um, psychological stuff and just try to improve the, the quality of life for all those around us I think that's the main sure. goal here right absolutely absolutely
1: uh, and I, you know, I again I hope to raise awareness and destigmatize these ideas and um, think of that for people to think of them instead of just natural tools to allow you to use the full potential of your body and mind, which is beyond what we could possibly imagine. Yeah. So, you know, you're taking these prescription drugs and taking things that are not necessarily good for you, but i experienced very, very bad side effects from, and what showed told me about within 24 hours, is just a tool, you know, and don't think of it as a drug. It's just a tool that allows you to use your brain and your body to access the full power of your own body to heal itself, like you were saying. And that, that's the key to everything.
0: And and the the goal is to obviously not be dependent on any one substance. The goal is to be able to use the power of your body and your mind to ultimately control your happiness and your well-being.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's exactly what these do. That's the beauty of psychedelics, and that's why it's so promising in the mental health care field. Uh, It just takes one, two experiences, and your entire life can be changed, and you're
0: not dependent on it. Well, Gerardo, your story is fascinating, and I'm really looking forward to reading your book, Don't Kill Yourself. And, uh, and I, I'm just happy to have had this opportunity to get to know you and that there's like-minded people out there that believe that um, we don't have to go through the traditional forms of, of care to, to, to make sure that we are being the best versions of ourselves and making sure that we have happiness.
1: Right, right, and then another important part of that that I didn't realize—I mean, the financial burden of medical care going on nowadays. You know, these are absolutely free.
0: Yeah, you know, breathing so is free, right?
1: Air is free so far. <laughs> so far, air is free. Okay. Yeah. The ground not expensive. So you know, there's a lot of reasons to look to your body to heal itself um, instead of instead of plugging
0: Excellent, Gerardo. Well, I hope this this uh, this isn't the last time that we get to talk, and I hope we keep in touch. And I look forward to following your journey on Facebook and um, to another fantastic day to you.
1: Absolutely, thank you so much. It was an honor to be on the show, and I really appreciate the opportunity. All right, Gerardo. I hope, I hope it reaches people and it can it can help a lot of people out
0: there. I hope so too. Thank you, sir.
1: Okay, thank you very much. You have an excellent day as well. You too. Okay.
0: The Red. The red.